Our little ones are the most vulnerable when it comes to environmental concerns. To give them the best start possible, we are dedicating this hour to a discussion about homemade baby foods. Healthy meals for the youngest years, today on An Organic Conversation, your show on everything that makes life worth living. I'm Helge Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. It's such a great topic. Even though I don't have a baby at the moment, I can only imagine what new parents go through to navigate the world of baby food. Ingredients, processing, food allergies, preferences, ease of use and convenience, flavor, and of course, most importantly, what's the healthiest option and mix, and when you start introducing new foods. Homemade baby foods, healthy meals for the youngest years, our focus in this hour. And as always, we're starting the week off with our week's review. Sita. So, coming up on September 19th is International Coastal Cleanup Day. Helga, you participated in this once before, yeah? I think it's amazing. It's one of those, I'm sure there was a lot of work to organize it, but it feels almost self-organized. You literally walk up to your beach, in this case, Ocean Beach, San Francisco. You get a bag from a, a, a little station that they set up and you go onto the beach and for an hour you, you collect trash and cigarette butts and everything you can possibly see and find. And there were maybe 60 volunteers when I did it almost 10 years ago. And it has now expanded into, what, over 90 countries it's really an, it's an international coastal cleanup day. So the idea is on this day, everybody who lives near or has access right. to a coast just shows up and cleans up, right? As far as I know, it's always a weekend. Yeah, and it's Saturday. Exactly. September 19th is a Saturday this year. And last year, they collected over 16 million pounds of trash. Yeah, the crazy thing is you. when I walked onto the beach, I didn't see much. I looked at, you know, where would I go and uh, what would I really collect? When you get to the water or when you, when you really look in closer to the sand, there's trash everywhere. There's little bottle caps and there's, you know, cigarette butts everywhere and little plastic ribbons of something and a cigarette package and just a, a lot of smaller things that you know will end up with wildlife. Mm -hmm. We have seen the seagull that had a plastic, you know, from a six pack, a little plastic thing around its neck. And whatever we do on land, we know that affects the ocean and and of course, vice versa. But our trash, there's no real concept around it. And we're the only species where there's no concept around our trash. Every other species on this planet has a plan or there's something in ecology where something else, somebody's trash is somebody else's resource. Well, humans are the only species that create trash that doesn't have a purpose after that. And now with recycling, on, that's changing, but on such a small level, if you really look at the amount of trash that's picked up on, on beaches in 91 countries on that day, it is mind-blowing what is just being littered. Uh, I think since it started, we're talking billions of cigarette butts, and every single one will be in the, in the environment for for years, if not decades. Well, what they said, so they've got some really great infographics from the 2015, uh, not, they, they published really great infographics this year based on what was collected last year when they did it in 2014. 
2014, they found over 2 million cigarette butts, over 1 million candy wrappers, and over a million plastic bottles. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, entangled animals and glass pieces and all kinds of things. So you can find some really great information about what was collected, and it will motivate you to show up to whatever coast you can get to to participate in International Coastal Cleanup Day. If you just want to spend a great day at the beach or a couple hours and feel good about what you do there and do it on the 19th and just help in the effort, it's amazing. It's our ocean, it's our beach. It's not just for us, uh, but as much so for every other being that is living on or off the beach or in the water that is affected by it. It's a beautiful initiative. Reminds me of the episode we did with Pierre-Yves Cousteau on his nonprofit, Cousteau Divers, which is about anybody, whether you're a diver, a snorkeler, or just somebody who walks on the beach, but actually not just collecting trash and things that you find, but keeping an eye and keeping a log on the health of the coastlines and the health of the ocean, the health of the, the coral reefs and everything. So we can be monitoring how our practices on land are affecting the health of our oceans. Yeah, and wind and swell and tides, this trash will ultimately end up in the water. So he was talking about a two or three foot plastic layer that he had when he came back up um, after a dive. And we know these Texas size plastic bubbles that islands that are floating around in the ocean. And so, you know, if we can help that day for a few hours, uh, I I know it has an impact. It's just amazing when you see a couple hundred volunteers on your favorite beach, keeping it clean. Good for us. Mm. Yes. Coastal Cleanup Day. Let's post something on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash an organic conversation September 19th coming up thanks Sita great pick homemade baby food healthy meals for the youngest years our focus in this hour that and so much more when we come back right after the break stay tuned Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit earlsorganic.com. Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. Fry Vineyards, Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Today we are speaking with an expert about the important but also confusing world of baby food. What, when, how, for whom, and at what age. Homemade baby food, healthy meals for the youngest years. That's our topic in this hour. But before we dive into this topic fully, as always, here's the update from the world of health and beauty a.k.a. Sita Rani Palomar, Chef Sita, and her holistic bite. 
Today I want to talk about a healthy meal for the morning time and for possibly anybody. And this is something that I enjoy so much because I can make it the night before and it saves me time in the morning when I'm rushing. And that is chia pudding. And chia pudding is so good in the morning because chia seeds are a wonderful source of omega-3 fatty acids. And that's something that we need to be getting in a better ratio than we have as a society. It's so simple to make. These chia, as they sit in their liquid, they actually get more gelatinous and it creates this wonderful silky pudding if you have blended the chia seeds. Otherwise, you can leave them whole and have something a little bit more textured, smaller than tapioca, but still really enjoyable. And this morning recipe incorporates raw cacao powder, dates, cinnamon, and cayenne. And the combination of the ingredients not only gives you these health benefits of the omega-3 fatty acids in the chia seed, but the raw cacao powder, which is extremely rich in antioxidants, also gives you a great non-coffee source of energy in the morning. And using dates instead of sugar gives you minerals. And the minerals in dates include tryptophan, which is a precursor to serotonin, which helps us to be happy and calm as opposed to hyper. And then when you add cinnamon, which is great for blood sugar regulation, and cayenne, which is good for boosting your metabolism, you have the perfect recipe to kickstart your day. The process is really easy. Put the ingredients, the chia seed, some kind of milk, whether it's whole milk or non-dairy milk, the cacao powder, dates, and then your cinnamon and cayenne, and then a little bit of vanilla and sea salt for some balanced flavor, and blend that in a blender until the dates are really well incorporated. It doesn't take very long. Then you distribute that into the bowls that you can cover and put into the refrigerator and just pull out in the morning when you want to eat. And as it sits overnight and everything blends together, it takes on this pudding-like texture. So all you do in the morning is pull out your bowl of chia pudding, grab a spoon, and take it on the go. And I guarantee you, once you try how easy this is and try how delicious this is, you will no longer have an excuse for skipping breakfast. And that's this week's Holistic Bite. Thank you, Sita. And I love chia. I know it's a power food. I think it's one of those superfoods, yeah. Considered superfoods, and uh, in Peru, where I think it originates, or somewhere around there, it's used as an energy, constant energy source by you know people who walk a lot, by hunters. Really old, considered superfood or or basic staple for energy, almost like a chocolate substitute. Some people don't like the consistency, that slightly gelatinous yeah. feel to it. If you like it, it's amazing. It comes in drinks now, too. You can put chia seeds in it. Right. And and if you don't like the texture, you can actually grind your chia seeds in a spice grinder and create like a really fine, almost powder, and put that powder in the blender with the milk and the cacao powder and the dates and the cinnamon and the cayenne and all those other things. And then it's actually going to become more like a silky pudding as opposed to a tapioca-style pudding. Love it. Wonderful. Thank you. Homemade baby food, healthy meals for the youngest years. Our focus in this hour of an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helbert. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And with us now is a two-time author. It's Tamika Gardner. She wrote 201 Baby and Toddler Meals and um, is joining us from North Carolina. Uh, Tamika, are you with us? I am. Hi, Helga Hi. and Sita. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. We're so we actually we were just telling you how much we enjoyed your books and how delicious all of the recipes look. They're easily things we would make for ourselves. Yeah, it's kind of an, it seems like an adult food book, but appropriate for toddlers and smaller kids. But we will talk about that in a second. Let's start with what is the right time when when a, a, a new family 
with their first child, totally confusing time and overwhelming, I believe, with little sleep. And so when, when all that is kind of falling into place and there's breastfeeding being done, what is the right time to think about transitioning from nursing to introducing kind of solid foods, even if it's pureed, and then from cooked pureed foods to whole foods item? What are the general times in, in, a, in the life of a newborn? So the general timeline would be about six months of age where typically breastfeeding is starting to come to an end, at least for some moms. Um, I started my children when they were actually four months on infant cereal. Well, my pediatrician actually recommended to transition at four months when they're sitting up and they're starting to grab at like bottles or spoons. And so I kind of got them ready when they were about four months, just starting off like a teaspoon of infant cereal at a time. And at that time, I used the iron fortified cereal that you can just mix. That was before I actually knew how to make my own oatmeal cereal and rice cereal. But um, I would just do like a tablespoon a day. And then gradually, as time went on, I transitioned at six months to pureed foods such as apples, pears, bananas, avocados, sweet potatoes, things like that. And then the whole food items come at nine or ten months or maybe a year, like a piece of banana? I actually pureed for quite a bit. So the way that I pureed, I pretty much use the commercial baby food as my guide. And this is a, a new mom not having any idea what the consistency should be. But when I would go to the store and I looked at the jars and I'm like, oh, no, I'm not going to give my child the baby food out the jar when I've got all this fresh food in my basket. I pretty much just bought a couple of those jars and then went home and recreated my own consistency using their guide. <laughs> and this is, again, not having any, any knowledge on how to do any of this. But I figure if those jars were in the store, they were pretty much good to go. Yeah, I think that's that's such a good idea to to use the the industry norm, so to say, and then maybe use, you know, all organic versions of the ingredients or or quantities accordingly to your own experience with that. Uh, I think that's a that's a really smart way when it comes to redoing skincare or whatever it may be, looking at what's already being done, because there's a reason why it's being done that way. But you can, of course, choose your own ingredients. So Tamika, you were saying that right around four between four and six months is the time that you're transitioning from nursing into cooked pureed foods. And that some of the things you introduced at the beginning were avocado, banana, apple. Let's talk more about that. What do you introduce right at the beginning? What has the best success, the best nutrients? Well, right at the beginning, avocado is a really good food because it's really good in healthy fat. And it's pretty much, you don't have to cook it. You can cut it, take the pit out, and you can feed your baby just from the avocado. Bananas are also really easy to do because they also come in their own self-container. <laughs> <laughs> um, the peel, you peel it. Get a real ripe banana, mash it up with a fork until it's super thin, and you can feed your baby that. If your baby's older um, with the banana, you can use your fork and make it chunkier, or you can chop it up into little bits as they get older. You pretty much can control the consistency when you use things like bananas and avocados and sweet potatoes, another good thing. Sweet potatoes are really good because you can bake them and once they're baked, you pretty much don't have to put them through a blender unless your baby's like more on the six-month age. But I found that 
sweet potatoes right out the oven. They're really, really soft. You can just give them the sweet potatoes just like that. Just mash it up with a fork. You might want to, if it's too thick, you can put a little bit of water or breast milk in that and feed your baby that way too. But so, those are my top. So avocado, banana, and sweet potato were the, the easiest first ones because they're already really soft and easy to kind of mash and puree. And then from that, you you had, you had touched on apples. So then you're getting into things yeah. that aren't naturally soft, but you are making them soft. Yes. you For apples and pears and peas and those types of things, you have to cook them first. So you would peel the skins off and slice them up and put them into a steamer basket or you can even saute and make them soft that way and once they're cooked to a soft consistency then you can then transfer to a blender and adding a little bit of water at a time blend until it's the consistency that you like and when you say saute are you are you sauteing in fat at that point i mean is is olive oil or coconut oil something that you are these nutrients that you can give to a baby right away or when would you do that actually when i say saute in the beginning if it's like a six month old baby i actually sauteed in a little bit of water Mm -hmm. just I didn't use any butter or any fat or any olive oil or anything until they got to be like around 10 months. Uh-huh. I would use a little bit of olive oil or coconut oil or even butter in some cases. There's been a little bit of misconception about butter, but I guess depending on the person, um, it's personal choice. There's been some studies that show that the saturated fat in butter is actually very good for growing babies and toddlers, although it's not necessarily good for adults. I like so, how you say it's good for for growing babies and toddlers. Sounds like a, <laughs> a plant in your backyard. And I love that because it, it does come down to nutrition and love and whatever we give them. But from, from what I gather as a summary, anything that can be really smeared well all over the place, right? In their faces, on their clothes and on the table is a good start if you stick with those foods. And with apples, they are pretty firm. If you steam them first, they become this really almost applesauce-like consistency, that's what you want, right, with everything. Right. And even pumpkin, um, now is a time where, you know, pumpkin is going to be in season, any of those root vegetables, squash, and like I said, sweet potatoes are, were my, that was my go-to because I could go to the farmer's market and get a, like, 40-pound box for, like, 14 bucks, and I had sweet potatoes for at least until the next spring. Sure. Mm. Yeah. Wonderful. So we talked, this is a lot about fruit at this moment. And my question for you is, is, do we have to be concerned about how many sugars we're giving a little body? Like what is in balance at at the early ages? I would definitely give a balance of fruit and vegetables in the beginning. You don't want to do too much fruit because babies tend to steer toward the sweeter side and then when it's time to give veggies they're like uh uh-uh, I'm not having that mm. so unlike adults I don't think that there's <laughs> I don't think that there's a limit on uh, as far as the sugar intake it's all natural sugar but again anything you know if you eat too much of anything sure. it's never a good idea but giving them fruit a, a nice healthy balance of fruit and vegetables they'll get a lot more of the nutritional spectrum, especially when they can 
it get the advantage of like a green leafy vegetable mm-hmm. mixed up with some puree or even if they're combined like apples and carrots or apples and squash or sweet potatoes and apples. They can get all these different tastes and then as they grow older, these tastes are not something that is Foreign. Right, right. There is an interesting study that I remember from years ago when I studied holistic nutrition. Uh, I think it was done in Britain. They put a bunch of toddlers out in front of 15 foods, and they would wanted to find out if toddlers had the natural instinct to know what to eat, to know what to pick, and what's good for their bodies. And Uh, most of them started to eat bananas for days and days and days and two weeks into it, the scientists thought, this is a disaster. This is it. They will just (laughs) be on this banana banana. (laughs) banana diet. And all of a sudden, one day, they all switched to something else. And in the course of 30 or 40 days, they had basically eaten the exact profile that they needed. So there is what you're saying, there is a certain intelligence within even really young ones to kind of know as long as you stay within a in a certain realm of foods and make them palatable and cook them well and make them soft because those little ones have not even yet teethed but there is a certain intelligence they will know and let you know what really they want to eat at that moment which i think is is brilliant tamika we we are, need to take a quick break but we have more questions for you especially when it comes to the nutritional profile of what a young one needs um, stay with us this is an organic conversation Uh, our topic in this hour is homemade baby foods, healthy meals for the youngest years. I'm Helga Helber. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And we're speaking with Tamika Gardner, the author of two amazing books, uh, 201 Organic Baby and Toddler Meals and 200 one organic baby purees, which really uh, put you on the scene as an expert when it comes to toddler and baby food. So thanks again for joining us today and please stay on the line. We'll be right back with more. Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. Produce is ever-changing, seasons coming and going. At Earl's Organic, we have been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. Since 1988, Earl's Organic Produce has been establishing strong relationships with growers and developing a deep understanding of the seasons, so you can offer the most delicious organic produce to your customers, staff, and clients year-round. For organic produce, visit Earl's Organic Produce at earlsorganic.com. That's earlsorganic.com. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And in this hour of homemade baby food, healthy meals for the youngest years, as our focus, we're speaking with Tamika Gardner, the author of two amazing books on baby and toddler meals, available on Amazon, who's joining us today from Raleigh, North Carolina. Tamika, we ended the um, segment before with nutrition, with, with me saying that there's a certain intelligence and a certain profile that babies know they need to get. The ultimate food, of course, is breast milk. 
But when you stop nursing, what is the nutritional requirement that needs to be considered to, and how does that change uh, from as babies double in size and weight from, from newborns to toddlers to a young child ultimately? So the number one thing that babies need when transitioning from breast milk to solid foods is iron. Because iron deficiency runs rampant in children, and the lack of iron can cause impaired mental development. At about six months of age, a baby's iron stores rapidly deplete, so that's our natural time to transition to the solid food. So we have to make sure that babies are getting enough iron in their diet. And iron can come in form of the iron-fortified cereals, like I mentioned earlier, oatmeal, barley, and again, you can do these yourself by just using grinding up those grains in a coffee grinder or a food processor to make your own oatmeal cereal and leafy vegetables like spinach and things like that have a good amount of iron in them, even including red meat. For those who are meat eaters, red meat has a pretty good amount of iron in it. So iron is one of the best things that I would say babies should have when transitioning from breast milk to solid. Another thing is healthy fat. Healthy fat is also tremendously good for healthy brain development and fat are excellent for them. And these can be found in things like avocado and any other plant-based oil and fish. And up until 12 months, the breast milk or formula is primarily an infant's fat source. So after 12 months, I would incorporate healthy fats and olive oil, avocados, coconut oil, those things into an infant's meal. So, and also calcium. Calcium is another thing <laughs> that we can't forget about. Calcium yes. for strong bones. And I know that nowadays that there are a lot of people that are either have dairy allergies or are choosing non-dairy options because studies are now showing that dairy may not be the best for us. So for those people not choosing dairy options, there are other calcium-fortified options such as almond milk, soy milk, cashew milk. As long as your child doesn't have any allergies to these types of other options, I always recommend talking to your pediatrician about what is best for your child. Sure. But also seafood, beans, figs, dark leafy vegetables are all good sources of calcium. So when, when you talk about um, animal proteins earlier on iron, you know, beef or other meats and fish and maybe eggs, what is the appropriate age for a child to start eating those in small amounts and well cooked, of course, but I just can't see a six months old eating an eight ounce steak, obviously. <laughs> that, um, so what, what is, how, do you, how do you do that? What's the best way of integrating yeah. those and at what age? Yeah, about nine months old, you can start incorporating, well, at least the general guideline is to start incorporating red meats, like ground meat. I've always used cooked ground meats. They can be pureed with other foods, fruit and vegetables as well. One thing that I used to do is I would make one of my favorite purees, which is the chicken parmesan broccoli, and I would use cooked chicken breast, and I put it in a blender with some broccoli and Parmesan cheese and blended it up and my son just loved it. <laughs> yeah, it sounds amazing. Oh, it's a good way to incorporate, you know, your meats with and poultry and other items with vegetables and cheese and things like that. So do you, you do blend you, it all three together. That sounds so good. 
<laughs> do, do you still take applications if somebody wants to be a toddler with you for four months? <laughs> well, you know, I, um, I pretty much start from the things that I would make for myself, for myself and my husband. So the things that I normally would make, I love to cook. I, I've been cooking since I was 13, so I'm like a bonafide home cook. <laughs> so things that were in my recipe base, I pretty much figure out what the baby couldn't have from that, um, and I would take that out and just use everything else. Sure. So that way we're not double buying and we're not wasting food. We hardly ever wasted any meals because we would just make what we were going to eat, and there was always plenty. Well, nice. I think you found your calling. <laughs> you found my calling. Your books are incredible. And so we have we had this question we wanted to ask you and and I kind of feel like we covered it, which is what are the top 5 foods for babies? And you've talked about far more than a top 5 and as they change, you know, avocado and banana at the beginning and then you can incorporate your sweet potatoes and your greens and but what about as we get into the whole food items, like like things that babies can eat whole when they're using their fingers to feed themselves like blueberries what would you consider like the best first foods for a baby to eat whole and you got to be careful with blueberries because they're a choking hazard so i would definitely stay away from blueberries for a young baby um, unless they're at least 15 months old and they're cut up but blueberries puree is a great option cut up into very small pieces is a great option bananas i know i always talk about bananas <laughs> It's like one of my favorite ones because you can take a banana with you on the go and in case of an emergency and your baby all the way down to six months can eat it. <laughs> so um, other food that we haven't touched, well, you said top five. You well, can make a top eight. But, baby because yeah. they pretty much eat anything, right? They eat, <laughs> if, if, if it's fruit or vegetables, they'll pretty much eat whatever you give them. But um, you really can't go wrong with, Sweet potatoes, avocados, blueberries, pasta, even for some of the older toddlers, is a fun food for them to have. So I'm giving you more than than what you've asked No, that's great. No, we just want to give people an idea. I mean, I can only imagine that as there are so many things that are happening when you're a new parent. This is one big giant mystery, which is what can my child eat and when can they eat it and what is going to give them all the nutrients they need. So all of this information. And what can I make at home, right? With the ingredients that I know and there's no conservatives in there and there's no... Uh, you know, preservation materials and things I don't want and I don't want to spend a fortune in processed foods. How how have they been processed for how long? So really, uh, I think that the best way is to nurse your child and then to cook for the child as much as you can yourself, as it is for us. I, I love that you actually said it's basically toddlered down uh, adult meals, but, you know, made made bite-sized literally for the newborn because we should cook as much at home. It's the best for us too. If we go out all the time or buy processed food, there's no difference to us than a newborn. So the idea of home cooking after nursing um, and, and using breast milk is is the right one and it's a good one. And, and that 
prompts, of course, the concern and the question, is my child getting all the nutrients it needs? And am I missing something that's critical? And of course, a pediatrician, if they're really holistic, they might be able to point you in the right direction. But that's where your books really come in and become so valuable. And again, it's a two, 201 organic baby and toddler meals and 201 organic baby Purees, and we're speaking with the author of those books, Tamika Gardner, out of North Carolina of Raleigh, joining us today in this hour of an organic conversation, homemade baby foods, healthy meals for the youngest years. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And Tamika, we're almost out of time, but I do want to ask about if a woman cannot nurse or nurse sufficiently, what have you found or seen or how do you introduce, do you have any tips for the helpful bacteria that is being transferred from the woman to the child, how, how can you best feed them if the mother milk is not quite enough? I breastfed both my babies, and that was the only option for me, and I highly recommend any mom to strongly consider breastfeeding if you can. There are some moms that I know, especially some of my, fa my own family, that just chose not to for just because how society has, Yes. pretty much taught us over time to resort to man-made formula, mm -hmm. which is nothing against it, but I'm more of a holistic person now on this journey, and I strongly believe that breast milk is the best milk. And if a mom absolutely cannot or can and just kind of on the fence about it, it's just something eerie about a baby nursing to some people, I totally recommend trying to express milk using a breast pump. Also, some milk is better than nothing. They call it, when I was, when I was um, a new mom in the hospitals, they call it breast milk liquid gold. That was like the best thing that you could actually give your baby. And when the baby is first born, your body produces something called colostrum, which is full of antibodies, and it just protects your child and it helps your immune system. It keeps them from getting illnesses and things, and that was like the best thing that they said you can ever give your child. So if you, even if you can't produce expressed milk or there is something medically not right, there's also breast milk banks that are out there now, and I know it may sound a little weird um, and not something that many of us are used to, but even the World Health Organization and the United Nations Children's Fund has said that a milk from another healthy mother is better than resorting to infant formula or any of the in industrial formulas that are out there. So I would strongly recommend looking into Breast Milk Bank. Um, you can Google Breast Milk Bank and you'll get a lot of different options or even a sister or relative or someone close to you that is actually still lactating and can nurse, maybe use that person as a surrogate. Sure, yes. And you're pointing something out. I mean, the connection between mother and child through the breast, um, there's so much more transported than we know. And we already know, uh, you know, it has been in the evolution of this planet between mother and child, humans or non-humans, for hundreds of millions of years. So maybe there's a reason why that is the most direct and logical and nature-intended version than uh, a marketed formula by a company that has been around for 60 years. But the, of course, it's a, it's a personal choice, but we absolutely agree with your recommendation on um, Yeah, and I can tell you that my you 
children are, they have not been sick. They're perfectly healthy, even, and I, and I was not a breastfed baby, and I was sick most of my life from, from colds and things like that, but they hardly ever get sick. Even when their school is sick, they're just not sick. So Great. it, I think, I've seen firsthand that it has enough benefit for it to, to be the best thing. Yeah, even if it's not the quantity, maybe, but there is the idea of um, milk bank, breast milk bank, uh, where women who are lactating still uh, may donate excess milk so if that's something if you hear this show as a lactating mom and you have actually more milk than you need in that sense other women might really appreciate relying on that so great shout out for that thank you and yeah that's that i don't know why it was so fun to talk with you uh, when you said i wouldn't uh, feed something to my 15 year old or, or 15 i thought you would say 50 year old there's there's something really um hands on the way you approach life and this topic and take kind of the scariness and and mystery out of it and i think that's perfectly appropriate and needed actually so thank you for joining us today and for your expertise and time wonderful to have you Thank you so much, Tamika. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, that's Tamika Gardner, the author of two great books, uh, 201 Baby and Toddler Meals. Um, and 201 and, Organic and Baby Purees. Exactly, Organic Baby Purees, both available on Amazon, who joined us today from North Carolina. Thanks, Tamika, again. Pleasure to have you. Thank you. Take care. Fun. Now I want wow. a baby. <laughs> no, but it's so lovely to have something that kind of scary. It's really mm, scary. Yeah, I mean, I, can, yeah. I, you know, I remember when when you take care of someone, uh, be it a, a pet, I can't even imagine what it is like to have a newborn baby and not fully know and, you know, hear doctor's advice or read some magazines. I don't know how women do it. I mean, luckily, there's breastfeeding for the first three, four, five, six months. But, well, wow. I think you hit on something really Big important topic. right at the end where you said that what Tamika has done is she's taken a lot of the mystery yeah. out of this topic. And when That's you take the scary. mystery out of something, you take the fear out of something. Right. And both of these books are really great resources. And she has them divided based on what life stage you're in. I mean, the 201 organic baby purees is really, that's what you're going to use from like six months to 10, 12 months. And then once you get past that, then you're going to look maybe at the baby and toddler meals where she has some of the whole food items like, and, and probably recommendations of when is the right time to start doing blueberries, which a girlfriend of mine uses as a Cheerio substitute, right? So it's at the age where you can eat something like that, but it's not going to be a refined grain. Yeah, or they have, she has, you know, prune muffins or uh, tandoori chicken remix. Really fun recipes that are actually, as she said, were maybe uh, inspired by her husband and how she would cook for her family and then um, brought down to the to a baby or toddler level. What I love about it, it's really practical. You mm. can actually cook um, with that child in mind, and then or that baby in mind, and then add whatever you would add to to the basic pot for the adult version. But you don't need to cook for four family members four completely different dishes. That's just brilliant. That aha so moment that she said she had when she was walking down the aisle and she had a basket full of fresh food for her and her husband. And she's pulling out these glass jars of, of packaged puree vegetables. And she was like, this just, this just isn't right. So then she made her own. I think that's really inspiring. Yeah, lovely. Great. Organic baby food, our topic in this, our homemade baby food, healthy meals for the youngest years on an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And we're staying with produce, at least as the main element around the first introduction of semi-solid foods for the little ones. 
All that and more coming up next. Stay tuned. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And that was an amazing interview with Tamika Gardner, the author of two wonderful baby and toddler meal books, 201 Organic Baby and Toddler Meals and 201 Organic Baby Purees. And with a little bit spiffing up, just as good for adults. Lovely. <laughs> In this hour on the healthiest meals for the youngest years, homemade baby food. And most of the items, of course, introduced first are produce. How apropos. Here is what's in season. And with us, as always, is the voice of the San Francisco produce market, Mr. Earl Herrick of Earl's Organic Produce. Earl, are you there? Hello, hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> hello How are you? I'm great, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine you're great because you're basking in produce, literally. Well, maybe I should say I'm grapes. <laughs> that's what we're going to be talking about. Yes. <laughs> Is it grape season already? Really? Wow. I know yeah. we talked about, you know, late summer, July, August, August, September, October being the the flagship of the bounty of the year. But wow, is it really grape season already mm -hmm. coming in? Yeah. Tell us well, about it. Yeah, you know, it's it, grape season is very interesting because it starts very early, like many stuff do down in Mexico in April, and it, you're picking fresh all the way through good weather, October, even into November, and then uh, certain varieties store well, we're talking, you know, three to four weeks, so in the past, we've had uh, grapes up until Christmas. Hmm. So uh, we're, at the, we're at the end of the third. If you divide the season in the thirds, we're in the last third, but there's still plenty of season to go. And, and this time of year is, is my favorite in a lot of ways because the grapes you get are mature. They have been on the vine. They've had this 95, 100-degree weather just, you know, maturating them and getting them perfect. And bingo, they get harvested. And... The, the challenge for the grape grower out in the vineyard is getting them off fast enough to, to uh, quench the hunger that's out there. It's, grapes are a high, uh, highly desired commodity that we can't keep enough of. Mm. Yeah. And when you say before they get eaten by what, by wildlife or bees? or I mean, every, <laughs> it seems like everyone really feasts on grapes, right? It's one of the yeah. last um, soft 
produce item that is coming in, and if yep. you if you walk through a vineyard, there's so much life, right? There, there, yeah. the, the bees are stocking up the wasp. The everyone yeah. is kind of getting their last share before, presumably, the winter kicks in. Um, well, it, yeah, you know, if you have an opportunity to walk through a vineyard, it is a wonderful experience because many of them are trellised very high, so they're kind of head uh, high, and there's just life everywhere, bees and 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 insects and 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 the the vineyard itself has gone from this green to this autumn uh, brown and orange and reds and yellows and it's incredibly vibrant uh, and the fruit of course is right there these big bunches just hanging there waiting so it's an incredible experience uh, to be able to do that I recommend and there's vineyards all over the country too. So, but where, uh, where's production coming in? Talking about the country, yeah. is it? Are we talking Los Angeles, Ojai, or San Diego, all the way up to to Northern yeah. California, or where? How has it shifted? Is yeah. this all domestic? It is, and it's uh, again California leads in production. Ninety percent of the grapes you're going to find that you table grapes that you eat wow. coming from California, and it is most of it in the Great San Joaquin Valley, and it's coming uh, anywhere from Fresno up to Chico. That's you know quite a span. But that really speaks to the, the vibrancy of the valley that produces so much produce. Then we, and go ahead. We, we do. There are, um, like you said, table grapes in other areas like New York, right? I mean, Concord mm-hmm. grapes are coming yes. from the northeast more than I, – I do even have Concord grapes in California? Yeah. And actually, they just started. Uh-huh. And it's a very small window, about six weeks. And, you know, it's a very prized, you know, for the people that know about it, like, you know, is it ready yet? Is it ready yeah, yet? Yeah, sure. They, they started a little earlier this year, which is true for just about everything because of the warm weather and the drought. And so starting early means the grape season is probably going to end a little early. Mm-hmm. So for us to stretch all the way to Thanksgiving could be a bit of a challenge. Uh, and that's uh, and what the growers are doing and the sellers are, are eking it out and the prices are going to get higher which happens every year, but that is a way to manage the supply side. When, like in October is when the prices yeah. start? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, we already started seeing now, you know, for the last couple of weeks, and it will continue to escalate. You know, it's that supply and demand. Supply is still very strong. Excuse me, demand is still very strong, and supply is dwindling. Right. So you manage it by, you sure. know, the price. Well, and I get that supply or that demand is so high. I mean, I remember... I, I'll admit, grapes are my favorite fruit. I can just eat yeah. an unlimited quantity. Like, I know how you feel about peaches, Earl. <laughs> but for me, it's grapes. I just, yeah. I love them. Like, it's like popcorn. I just, I take them with me to the theater because they're so easy to eat <laughs> and they're sweet and they're tart and they're just, they're everything. Yep. But the grapes that you get at the farmer's market, that is such a different experience from the grapes that you get at the grocery store. And right now, yeah. when you have accessibility to local grapes or, or I, I don't know, just uh, domestic grapes, I think is the word yeah. I'm looking for, the flavor is just outrageous. You just can't get enough of it. Well, this is the time of year. And like, uh, you know, as I earlier expressed, I mean, the, they're out there. They're perfect. I mean, wine grapes are, have already been harvested out here, mm-hmm. which is early. And so think the same way with table grapes. Uh what happens, like, let's take the green grape. It gets amber. It changes color from the deep green to a, uh, to an, uh, a yellow, even an orange hue, where uh, that, some people don't like that, but that is actually when they're prime sweet. But not only that sweet, that's when they develop even this other kind of honey, mm-hmm. and kind of intense focused uh, sweetness that every grape is going to have its own characterization of it. Nice. So it's just not just blind sweetness. It's 
and let it linger in your mouth. Eat another berry, eat another one, and oh, it fills your mouth. Nice. And I, I love that you you really sensitized me to look for when produce, maybe not the first week, but when it's when it's really hitting the market. And then yeah. I kind of gorge, you know, with cherries. I For two yeah. weeks, I basically eat cherries on a daily basis. And then I'm kind of going with the season. I'm In a way, I'm almost done with it then. And mm -hmm. grapes yeah. now, it's just, um, yeah, beautiful. That's the peak time from now on for the next four, six weeks. Yes. Um, I, I want to point out a couple things. You want to look for the stems. The first thing to do is really look at the stems, and they should be vibrant green. Now, that's not to say they're bad if the stems are a little brown, but they may indicate they're just not quite as fresh. But they still can be quite good, especially if you take a berry out and, and taste it. And what you were looking for there, it should be crisp. It should be, you know, if it's a little less crisp, again, it's showing a little age. doesn't mean it's bad, but just for your own, for your own self, just know that they may not last as long. And, and for a lot of us, it doesn't have to last long. Sure. Um, <laughs> and they should be uh, very juicy, of course. And the color, the color can be really very, can be bright, it can be dusty with a, with a, with a blush on it. Uh, the main thing is look for green stems, and, and by all means, give yourself a, a, a treat by uh, taking a sample of it. I'm sure you'll be able to get away with that. I know, I know you are sampling coconut when it comes down to it before, <laughs> before you buy anything, but with grapes it's really easy. It's like a yes. fig that we covered earlier a ah, few weeks back. Yes. Um, you know, you, wanna, you do want to try it. You don't want to buy a whole cluster of grapes and then be disappointed. And they can, you know, some might not be exactly the flavor profile you're looking for, a little sour still or, or, yeah. or sh overly sugary already. So, yes, always mm -hmm. sample. Great grapes. Thank you, Earl. You're um, welcome. There's wonderful. Lots of varieties out there, and, and more varieties are getting developed all the time. Uh, there's really a bounty. There's generally a red, a green, and a black. Red are the most popular. You know, go for it. Enjoy as many as you can. <laughs> you certainly will. We will. Thank you, Great. Earl. And we will have you back next week. Yes. Looking forward to it. <laughs> Talk to you then. Thanks, Earl. Take care. Yes. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Okay, grapes, and how perfect, full circle. How often do we come full circle in this show? I love often. it. Often. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, grapes, I'm sure if you if you peel the grape and mush it up and make it all, you know, squeezable, uh, it's a great food for, for the little ones. It's probably one of those that you introduce on or around or slightly after blueberries, right? Because it's going to be something that they are already... Uh, mindful of chewing so that, it, I mean, uh, grapes are probably a choking yeah, hazard even up. more than blueberries because of their size. Sure. But it's um, it's a great finger him. food when you have, when a child has teeth and they're wanting to feed themselves and choking isn't as much of a hazard. Yeah, it sounds like, which would be really fun actually, everything gets smushed. Like that you don't eat anything. In the That's probably, like form. the next week, everything Helga that. brings is going to be pureed. I will smush it. I will smush it. <laughs> Great. And that concludes a full hour of an organic conversation, baby food and grapes in season. Yes. That was this week's edition. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you again next week. An Organic Conversation is a proud production of the Organic Media Network. Associate producer, Kristen Ponger. This show would not be possible without the ongoing support from our listeners. Whether it's a dollar a month or a one-time donation, please consider becoming a patron of An Organic Conversation. For more information on how to support this program, please visit patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash An Organic Conversation. Thank you for your contribution. 
and Organic Conversation is made possible through listeners like you and the fantastic support of our underwriters. Earl's Organic Produce, a national distributor providing certified organic fruits and vegetables for your store, home, or business since 1988. The website is earlsorganic.com. And also Fry Vineyards, America's first certified organic winery, producing organic and certified biodynamic wine. For more information, frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. Thank you as well to Bowman College, focused on holistic nutrition and culinary arts for over 20 years. Bowman College offers professional training programs that prepare individuals for careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Their website is bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to iTunes or anorganicconversation.com. And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, please follow us on facebook.com forward slash conversation. We are your hosts, Helga Helberg and Sitarani Palomar. And we'll be back right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then. Bye.